Welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. I want to thank you guys for joining me again today. Uh, we are just at the beginning of season two. I'm hoping to keep this going all year. I kind of want to break up the seasons by year. That way I can keep track of it in my own uh, bloody head and make sure I've got enough episodes out there for everyone. So uh, this is season two. This would be episode three. Uh, I want to again remind everyone if they want to find the podcast, there's a list of where we are available on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash fuel your fandom. Uh, also, you can find us on our Anchor FM homepage, anchor.fm forward slash fuel your fandom. That's going to give you the list of where we're all available Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're kind of all over the place. So if you go to one of those two areas, it'll, it'll show you where we're at. And, uh, also, if you decide uh, you want to be a fan of the show, Anchor.fm, you can go there and you can like the show, which will give you the ability to uh, send messages to us over like a, it's like a voicemail kind of thing, if anyone still uses voicemail in this day and age. Um, it'll also allow you to donate to the show if you choose to do a donation to the show. We, of course, appreciate that. That money just kind of goes to paying for things like microphones and cables and batteries and beer for while I edit because editing is a stressful and stupid process. Um, in addition to that, um, if you want to just send us an email, you can send us an email at feelyourfandom at gmail.com. Other than that, uh, today we are going to talk to uh, the Gizzy family, or uh, a good representative chunk of uh, the Gizzy family. They've been friends of mine for years and years and years, and um, got quite a few things in common. We're going to kind of wax nerdy on, on every little thing. So, uh, with me, we have Chris. Hello. We have Patricia. Hello. And Ada. Hi. So, welcome. Uh, it's our dog whining in the background. I was going to say, I say welcome, yeah. but I'm in your house. Oh. So, it's like, <laughs> I'm welcoming you it's to your, your own house. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Chris and I go, uh, way back. Uh, Chris and I used to be involved in, uh, uh, music together uh, for about four and a half years. Sounds about right. Take. Yeah, uh, we were in a Tool tribute band. Um, so uh, before that, we we hung out at open mics together, and we've done an assortment of other various music things together. But uh, by and large, it was the Tool tribute band that uh, brought us together, and and uh, yeah, and, and then Patricia. Patricia does a lot of things with uh, equestrian horses and. And the like, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kinda. They've got some beautiful horses. I almost run one over on the way in today. <laughs> Came I, close. I did not. I did not. I know we'll probably try a little harder. Distance. And then, uh, so what I like to usually do is, is kind of kick it to my guests uh, right at the beginning and kind of uh, have them talk a little bit about what they're passionate about, what they're nerdy about. Uh, ostensibly, the podcast is about nerdy things, but I mean... I always say it at the end of the podcast, but I believe it's true uh, that everything is fandom, and fandom is truly everything. So uh, it can be whatever it is that gets you motivated, gets you hyped. Uh, I know that's about a, a book and a half for you, Chris, but kind of try and sum it down a little bit. What, do you, what are you into? What are you nerdy about? Well, you know, um, lately the obvious thing that I don't stop talking about pretty much ever is 3D printing. Um, and... That's something I've been into for like about seven or eight years. About seven years. Um, originally, I um, 
when 3D printing became something that you could do in the house, at first it was a little too... Um, a little too arm friendly. Yeah, it was a little a little too DIY, um, which I'm okay with DIY, but it just seemed like you'd spend more time maintaining your equipment than actually using it. <laughs> and so I waited and bought a printer that was fairly sophisticated right out of the box and um, arguably doesn't require as much maintenance just to keep it functional. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I've bought another printer that is much more um, experimental. So I, so I guess I'm making up ground for all that DIY, um, you know. Better late uh, than never. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but the, the thing that got me into it is um, about 20 years ago, Patricia bought me a chessboard mm-hmm. with no pieces. And that's fine because the first thing I said is, oh, I've got to make my own set of pieces now. So I started drawing a sketch of the pawn, right? right. And um, I immediately realized that, so the, the, the pawn has this, um, all of the pieces have this helical, double helix kind of shape to them. Right. Um, and they're very organic. And I realized that that double helix would make them almost impossible to make over and over again. Um, by any conventional means that was available. Right, wood carving or stone carving. Exactly. I mean, um, and I I was familiar with CNC, um, you know, uh, as a methodology for making things, but, um, and I've even heard of 3D printing, but these were things that only, um, you know, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars for a piece of equipment, so not accessible to mere mortals by any means. (laughs) Um, But about seven years ago, the these DIY kind of kits started becoming available. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is coming very quickly. So I started actually getting into the computer and actually designing the pieces and found a source, a company in New York called um, shapeways.com that I could send my 3D designs to, and they could print it on a $300,000 machine and send me back the pieces. Right, you're only out the time. and Exactly. Yeah. And and it, it was a little expensive. I mean, I've actually, what's kind of cool about Shapeways is you can print in plastic, but you can also print in metal, steel, brass, bronze, gold, whatever you're foolish enough to throw money at. And... Um, so, oh, I'm pretty foolish. Yeah. I'll throw money at a lot of things. It's, it's, I have yet to have somebody buy a gold chess set. I actually have them set up on a store, my my store on Shapeways. So somebody has more money than they, they know what to do with, they can always come by and buy a set of chess pieces in more whatever material they want. Sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so then about two years ago, three years ago, actually, um, I got the... The Prusa, which is a machine made in Czechoslovakia, um, it's made largely out of 3D printed parts. Um, obviously, the motors and the electronics are off the shelf kind of stuff, but the the parts that hold it all together, and even the parts that make up the where it prints, are, there's a lot of 3D printed stuff mm-hmm. there. And which would I guess would imagine uh, it would give you a great opportunity to upgrade and, and maintain. Exactly. On a cheaper level, you can 3D print your own parts. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, the machine that I bought three years ago, I've, I've replaced a lot of parts 
because the manufacturer has continued to upgrade their design and they post their um, parts online for you to download and print yourself. Um, well, that's and, awfully convenient. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, so it's open source. And um, I've also modified the design, you know, for my own as well and uh, downloaded things. So it, it, it gives you the opportunity to really just kind of continually mess with it, which, yeah, which was great. Can, can eat up a lot of time. Well, I mean, if you're bored. Yeah. Uh, which with Never you, bored. You and your plethora of hobbies, I can't imagine you're ever had a need for time killers. Yeah, I, but, I, uh, I, I invent them. <laughs> well, let's see, you do music, you do the 3D printing, you're yeah. a video gamer, you play tabletop games, you... Dungeons and Dragons. There you go. Yeah. Um, um, you do a lot of things. I, I'm, you know, I, not so much in the last couple of years, but I'm also a bicyclist. Um, you know, I... I I realized recently that I'm very much a technocrat. You know, I'm somebody who's like always, you know, interested in whatever technology is the bleeding edge. And, you know. I think I am too. I'm just too poor to really live that dream. So uh, I'm like a secondhand technocrat. <laughs> whatever I can find at a pawn shop or a used store. <laughs> hey, and there's nothing wrong with that. Which is, know? I think, what got me into retro video gaming too, yeah. is because by the time I get into these kind of things, I mean, the price has gone down so dramatically on it. It's like, hey, it's accessible now. I can get into that. Whereas, like, in the, you know, early 80s or 90s, early 90s, I couldn't have bought a console off the shelf to save my life. It would have been way too expensive. But yeah. now it's like, I can go to a pawn shop and be like, oh, hey, that's half price. I'll take that, you know. Or or, or coming eBay or Craigslist. or yeah. I've done it. Yeah. And I've done it all. So There's, I mean, and, and I'm like that, too. I mean, you know... I don't think I've I've never bought a new guitar. Um, they're always used. Um, almost all the gear that I have is stuff that I've acquired in a state of it's used. It's been out for a while, so I'm not paying that premium price right when that technology hits the uh, fans. So, right. Um, and, and I think my my only new microphone that I ever bought it wasn't like it when it was brand new. It's new to me. It was new unopened but it had been on the market forever it's that 58 that you're using now otherwise right. like i bought this microphone for the podcast i bought it off offer up mm -hmm. uh the soundboard i run through i bought off of uh uh pawn star pawn shop and Lacey, and the computer i even bought the computer off of uh, groupon right so right. i mean I'll do whatever it takes to get there, but I'll do it kind of on the cheap as best I can. <laughs> so, yeah, and hey, I mean, that makes sense. I'm and sure then, my wife appreciates know. that, at least a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Uh, now, uh, Patricia, what kind of uh, things are you uh, nerdy about? What gets your motor running? Well, I just find it interesting that Chris mentions many, only bicycling is the only thing that you mentioned that involves being outdoors. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you count outdoor concerts but yeah, yeah. and <laughs> we, you should as a family the one thing that really unites us is going hiking we do you know uh, we don't do enough of it but we do try to go hiking quite a bit when okay yeah the weather permits i've yeah. seen some of the pictures of you guys going doing hiking i've seen some of your travel pictures and things like that and you guys are always off on some kind of adventure or another and i want to say i'm jealous or anything <laughs> I mean, maybe a little bit well, now we do it on the cheap as yeah. well. Yeah, um, yeah that's that's my thing is really adventuring. I mm -hmm. mean, I really, you know, I kind of feel like I've 
I was probably born in the wrong era or something. <laughs> I don't know. But then, of course, who would want to live when uh, child yeah. mortality was... <laughs> Mortality rates were bad. Yeah, uh, no. And I know you guys the are flu vegan. could kill you. Vegan <laughs> options were terrible. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not saying I want to take... You're a what? <laughs> a what? The bad, the, the B word. Yeah. So I don't embrace that aspect of... Um, other time periods, but... Um, well, yeah, like, I, I did Society for Creative Anachronism for a lot of years, mm -hmm. uh, which, for any of you that don't know, is medieval recreation. Uh, not quite, like, D&D &D type stuff, but, like, uh, you know, you dress up in, in period-style clothing, you, you know... Whack each other with wooden swords. Whack each other with rattan. <laughs> I didn't use the rattan. I used metal. I was Ooh. a... I was a Whoa. Italian <laughs> Renaissance uh, rapier fencer. Wow. And I did that for about 11 years. But I assume that's how you know Jamie? Yeah, Jamie was one of my teachers. Yeah. Uh, one of my, our, mine and Chris's former uh, bass player. Yeah. It's awesome. essentially the badass form of LARPing. Yeah, it's like LARPing, but you're not using padded weapon. It actually hurts. You can actually get hurt. Yeah. And I had a really cool conversation with a buddy of mine who moved over to uh, Ohio, and he was back here uh, uh, visiting for a few days this last week, and so we got to chat for a little while, and... We were reminiscing about, there was, a, there was this guy that we both knew, his name was Sir Walter, and Sir Walter was this, he'd been in the SCA for a long time, really good, they call it heavy fighter, and so the, like, Gary, my friend Gary, it was, had talked me into uh, trying heavy fighting, so they got me all armored up in like steel armor and everything like that, really heavy duty, you know, I felt kind of invincible at first, but I knew damn well that was a lie, um, got me all dressed up and when I went out to get authorized because you have to be authorized to fight in a battle and we were talking about uh, Walter was the one who kind of tested me and, and Walter I've known him he was the baron of our area for a long time so you know I've known him a long time and he just had this wicked little gleam on his face and I'm like okay let's uh, let's go go easy on me and he did what he called it called a rap shot when you take the the rattan sword from above your, like if you're using your right hand, it's above your right shoulder. And then the idea is to bring your hand over and snap the wrist at the same time. So you would think that would be like a headshot. But by the time his arm was over my shoulder, and then the wrap connected with my ass. And like bruised an entire ass cheek. And I couldn't sit down right for like a week. And he's giggling like a maniac. And Gary's giggling like a maniac. And, I firmly believe that's why I'm not a heavy fighter to this day. It's like, no, I don't want to, you know, right. I don't like the idea of counting bruises and, sure. it's, and it's, damage. It's just a public form of S&M. Kind of. It's like, I'd go on a battlefield with a safe word or something. I don't know. <laughs> For me, my safe word was, please stop hitting me. Um, it's a little long in the tooth, but uh, <laughs> it had the desired effect. It was either that or my safe word is just me sobbing uncontrollably, which also almost happened. But, uh, so traveling and, and, and kind of... Oh, yeah, totally. You know, um, and I know you guys went to China recently, or was it Japan? China, China and China. Japan. She went to Japan, we went to China. Okay. So I didn't right. go to China. <laughs> yeah. Well... Where'd you um, go? We take turns. I stayed home. Oh. I went to college. Oh. <laughs> a year and Are a half. Are you college age already? Um, I'm running start, so... Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you when you were way smaller. Now I'm old. And uh, I did spend a uh, quarter in um, 
Belgium. Um, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, you can't complain. Although he, did, he didn't like it at the time. He probably still has grievances with us about sending him there. <laughs> well. But, uh, so traveling and then, uh, I know you, like I said, you do a lot of equestrian type things. Well, yeah. And um, kind of, I think, you know, Chris and I met quite young. And I've seen the pictures. Yes. <laughs> um, so we didn't really get the opportunity. I mean, just barely getting by when we were first married and everything. Mm -hmm. We didn't really get the opportunity to, you know, do the kind of travel that we wanted to do younger. So right. I, I think we are trying to make up for lost time. <laughs> but, sense. but you know, we were just, I mean, we first met, um, what, are, what are some of the things that we used to do? I mean, we did used to play D&D. And I always loved when we would do like those late night hikes in the middle of nowhere and cause that mayhem. Like the, that, sounds, that sounds like the intro to a horror movie. <laughs> but that, that was the kind of people we were. We were That's like... When Jason comes out and <laughs> slashes everybody. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that we would go to cemeteries. We would... It's very goth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we well, were. punk was golf. Yes, we were. <laughs> when, when we were involved in the Chicago punk scene, they didn't really distinguish between punk and goth. I mean, you know, it's only a few hundred people. It's not like there's a point in saying, oh, that guy, he's goth over there. It's um, It was just one group of people that went to all the same shows, right? Yeah. So, um, although there was, there, there was also metalheads. They were clearly different than the punks and goths. They are. But, they really know, are. Yeah. I'm a metalhead. I know. But I also listen to classical music and hip-hop, and so I'm a really weird metalhead, right. I'm told. And, 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 and that's, I think, why we were both in a Tool tribute together, is that mm -hmm. kind of is where metal and punk converge. Like in that and then somehow rock we rock kind of... Yeah, yeah, it turns into prog rock. <laughs> <laughs> somehow they're all connected, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I mean, good music is good music, and I think it has the ability to transcend any kind of labeling we put on it, so... Yeah. I mean, like, for instance, I don't even really, I'm not a country guy. My wife is, she'll put it on the car just to piss me off whenever we're driving in her car because she knows I'm going to put on something heavy when we're driving in my car. Kind of how it goes. But uh, I have a, a friend of mine, a, a, a couple of friends of mine out in the Tacoma area. Uh, name's Ray, Ray Hayden, and his wife, Jessica Lynn. Uh, Jessica Lynn is a, is a country star, a dyed-in-the-wool country singing, like Nashville country Wow. Like, we're not talking, like, pop country. We're talking, like, actual country. And it's good. Cool. It's really good. And and I'm, like, grooving. Like, my, my fucking Spotify is so eclectic right now because it's, like, if I were just to let it go, it'd be like, oh, all right, we're listening to uh, some Poison from the 80s, and then we're going to get some Five Finger Death Punch going here, maybe a little Tupac Shakur, then, then, then Jessica Little pop on, and then Ray is... Ray's a piano artist. He does a lot of like piano music. He just released his new uh, uh, CD called Accidental Grace, and it's uh, no vocals. It's all just piano, and it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And it's like, I, I said, I'm a bad metalhead because I listen to all this stuff, and I really have uh, just an enormous respect and love for that kind of thing. So, yeah. I for for I don't I have a hard time with country music usually i mean i listened to <laughs> it when i was little. a kid i listened to like dolly parton and Jolly, johnny Cash right, and well, all back that. when country was country yeah exactly but um hey, what, what, what kind of johnny cash and 
what I got into a few years ago, I started getting into like more bluegrass and more traditional um, Americana kind of music. Mm -hmm. um, that I can connect to a little more directly. I still, what is called punk, what's called country today is not something I can really relate to. Um, yeah. You know. I'll have to play you one of Jessica's tracks. It's, it's, I got it on my phone, obviously. Spotify goes wherever I go. Yeah. So uh, I'll play one for you. And, and, cool. and, and like to see her perform is amazing. She's amazing performance wise. And I mean, I know a lot of musicians. We both do. And, yeah. and like, for instance, I know the guy from, uh, who's one of the guitar players for uh, Abney Park, which is a steampunk. Uh, I don't want to call it metal or rock, but steampunk, punk type band. Cool. cool. And uh, so I've known him for a lot of years, and it's always fun to watch his videos and see the things that he gets up to with them. He travels the world with Abney Park, and it's just really cool. And, and like, so I know musicians of all stripes, yeah. and it's just fascinating to me. Playing so. with the Psychedelic Shadow Show for the past few years has been cool because um, we do a lot of festivals and mm -hmm. there's a, you know, these festivals are run all weekend long and music typically starts on Friday at five o'clock and ends at about four o'clock on Sunday and bands will be on for hour and a half, two hour slots sometimes and a lot of times we have two stages so there's not even a whole lot of downtime between bands so yeah, cool. see a huge array a huge range of different styles of music that's really events. cool i'd go to those festivals but i like showering and i like eating my own food yeah. <laughs> there is something about having your own camper that is that's true, is. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. i mean that's just as i get older like i said i used to do the sca thing and there was a lot of outdoor camping and yeah. And, and living, not living off the land, but you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. quote unquote, roughing it. Living in your own filth, so to speak. <laughs> when, I, when I can't cook anything in a microwave is, is yeah. kind of where I draw the line. Right. Did I'll, you participate in the Honey Wars? And yeah. Thing? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that, that's over at my friend's uh, stable. Kara? Uh, Catherine. Do you know Catherine? What's her last name? Bloomfield, I think. Probably. Okay. I've been over there. I know yeah. the families you're talking about. Yeah, Griffinwood. Mm -hmm. And um, I know they, they. I would uh, love to do more. Of, I've always wanted to do the the jousting and everything, but I, I can just hook you up don't. with the right people. <laughs> I have talked to them, but I just don't have the nerve. <laughs> I never I did know. either. In fact, I've only ever ridden a horse once in my entire life. I was terrified. The we can fix time. that. I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'll have to come over sometime. Go yeah. for a trail ride or something. Absolutely. Well, Ada, what are you into? Oh, well, definitely the thing that I'm most into is VR. Uh, oh, I know, I, picked, I saw your Oculus over there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I picked it up um, this summer, and, like, people kind of just didn't really see, like, hear from me for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> you went into the virtual reality. Yeah, I haven't, come come, I haven't come out yet, still. You don't need to see It's still in there right now. <laughs> like it this is your avatar speaking yeah exactly <laughs> no like seriously it it's super cool it's a it's something that um i mean you can't really describe it until you try it i've only ever messed around with it like i was telling uh, chris earlier i've only messed around with it with the psvr yeah, yeah. and one of the first things i did with it was uh aside from the like little short videos and commercials and everything where you're looking all around and it's everywhere, uh, which was a little disconcerting at first. Once you get used to it, it's fine. But 
It alters your mind. It does. It? It's like trippy <laughs> as hell. And, and I was playing the one I played at first was uh, Rocksteady did a Batman Arkham VR mm -hmm. game, and I've, I've always loved the Batman Arkham games. I'm a huge, huge Batman nerd. I've always had, always have been. And uh, the graphics on those games were always really top-notch, so it's like, okay, I'm going to get an opportunity to be in the game. Let's go. And so I put that on, and, and there's, I mean, there's a little bit of a disconnect, but because of the travel system, you have to, you can't walk, you have to use the icon. Well, Though they're working on that. I've yeah, seen some of the things they've done with yeah, that. Yeah, the, the most recent game that came out, you have a, it's Boneworks. You have a fully simulated body that you can climb up surfaces. If you try to sh like shove your hands or head through a wall in real life, it will get stuck behind. Mm -hmm. And you, you like you can just do anything. You can climb. At one point, it puts you on a roller coaster that has a stop at the end of it, so it just launches you. <coughs> Jesus. And <laughs> it still works. It. I have no idea how they've done it. But oh, man. it's so perfect. <laughs> and like your body is completely physics-based. But what it's is it something called? Boneworks. It's Bone something works. that's really kind of hard to get used to Bone at first. Breaks. But once you do, you can do like anything you can in real life. So explain the relationship between Half Life and Boneworks. Oh, yeah. So um Half Life, the you know, Valve, the studio that's making uh that, that made all the Half Life games. They made one of my favorite games, Portal. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love Portal. Portal is my favorite game. We, we've had all many time. birthday cakes. Portal is based God. On... <laughs> there's, gonna, there's gonna be a Portal VR game. I know it. They I actually talked it. about it. Yes, and, and they, Boneworks is gonna probably be the key to delivering it. Yeah, yeah. They they talked about their development process, and they said they were really heavily considering Portal, but they didn't want to make people sick. Then the Boneworks devs showed mm. up. And then just flexed on them essentially. <laughs> so they, they they were working on Half Life VR, which they announced recently. And according to like the leaks and the interviews and stuff. The Alex is that the Alex? Yeah, Half Life Alex. Okay. I'm super excited for it. But apparently, as soon as they saw Boneworks, they called them into their studio to try it out. And then they delayed the game by a year because they realized they had some catching okay, up nice. to do. Nice, absolutely awesome. Yeah. So I may get my dream of a VR portal game. Oh so. yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's coming. And, it has to. You know, and when you see um, Boneworks, it, it's obvious that that's doable. Boneworks incorporates a lot of the weapons, including the gravity gun um, and, you know, all, all kinds of crazy different, I don't know if they're really weapons or just devices that um, expands on the, all the different things from Half-Life. So that's my, awesome. my absolute favorite one, well, I don't know if it, I can quite say it's my favorite one, but one of the weapons is it's basically a gauntlet that you can pick up, charge up, and then if you punch someone, they just go flying. It's like <laughs> one punch man. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. like one punch oh man. There's a lot of people that be flying. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, and like I was saying, the, the Batman one was the first one I played, and I didn't get motion sick at all. It was nice and dark. And have you ever played Batman Arkham VR? Uh, I didn't because I, I believe that's PlayStation exclusive. Oh, okay. But uh, you're, you're Batman. Yeah. You go through, like, you start off as Bruce Wayne. you use the voice, I'm Batman? I do. Well, come <laughs> on, you have to, but I do. But uh, I, you go, you go through, you're in uh, Bruce Wayne's parlor. You mess around in the parlor. You're doing little puzzles and everything. And uh, then you get called down to the Batcave to discover where Nightwing has gone missing. And so you have to play a couple notes on the piano, which 
starts a descending platform, descends you into the back cave. And then you have to put your hands forward and take on the gauntlets. And you have to actually pick the helmet up and put the helmet on. And cool. it's like, holy shit, I'm Batman. <laughs> it's so, and you got like your, your, your grapnel gun is on your side. You can use that to get around. You got batarangs at your belt. And it's like, oh, and it's only like half an hour long. Is the worst part is that it is just basically a tech demo. Wow. There's no fighting. Just it's just you can throw batarangs at things. and uh, <laughs> It's mostly the detective work. But the detective work is handled really well. And I'm, I'm terrified if they actually put fighting in there, I'm going to kick the shit out of my TV. <laughs> I know I am. Because it's yeah. corded. Yeah. So I can only be so far away. Like with the well, Oculus now, the Oculus is cordless. That's even scarier. Well, well his, his is the... Um, tethered. The, that one's tethered, okay. but they have a new one that's completely untethered. The Quest? Oh, yeah, the Quest. That's the can, one I've been looking at. You can just go anywhere with it. Yeah, but yeah I the know. Things that, I'm going to move too far forward and punch the shit out of my TV. Well, that's why we moved it down here. Is <laughs> it originally had it in um, a bedroom, and that was just too small. Too cramped. Yeah. yeah. Um, Definitely. But yeah, we it's, got the space down here. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah, you know we just move the furniture the all up to the perimeter and um, and draw the perimeter wall so that uh, one thing that's kind of cool with the Oculus is if you stick your head through the perimeter wall, you see um, you see the you uh, look through the camera. You see black and white. Of, yeah, you're looking through the cameras that's that so it cool. uses to track. So you can see everything around you, and it's called pass through mode. But the thing, I wish to God the PSVR did that. Yeah. The, the, the thing about VR that's just the weirdest thing is um, there's, of course, an application called VRChat, which a lot of people play. Mm-hmm. It's both for VR and non-VR users, and it's essentially, it's kind of awful, to be honest, but you can basically, it just is a place where people can meet in servers and they just... Hang out. The chat the, rooms of the day. Yeah, they're yeah. they're they're um, custom worlds. They can be anything you want, and your avatars can be literally anything. Nice. I, I I once saw a guy that was like, you know, like dressed as like Windows ninety eight as his character, and if you go <laughs> if you stick your head inside him, it turns into a blue screen of death. As it should. <laughs> yeah, and but the weird thing about it is that when you like are meeting up with some friends and stuff in VR chat and you're just hanging out and you're not hanging out in a public lobby where everyone's screaming and stuff and you, you can just sit down and watch that. YouTube videos and watch movies and just hang out on the couch and that's kind of cool the, the thing that's so strange about it is like I still to this day like while I'm just playing it and I just forget that I'm in VR <laughs> it's it's that easy because that you're just wild. doing what you normally do in real life. You're just hanging out with friends, watching Jerma videos, watching movies and stuff. It's just all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, this isn't real. <laughs> well, remember- oh, shit, they learned to feed me snacks while I'm doing that. I'm never coming out. Well, remember a couple of years ago was saying, you know, this could easily be virtual travel. Oh, we yeah, could be definitely. meeting friends. Oh yeah, say- I've had that thought too because yeah, I've seen totally. some of the travel videos that you can watch. With these headsets on and like with Google well, Earth and the simulations. Well, exactly. And... I mean, I get, I totally get off on just doing VR with Google Earth and um, you can go Spent to places hours that you've in there, been. Just on Google Earth. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now, wouldn't it be cool if it could be real time? Like, like maybe in, incorporate. Rock concerts. Exactly. Well, they did a. Well, Portlandia, them. they did the drone thing. Well, 
But that essentially, in Bojack too. But that would be I would be totally up for it if you can't afford well, I don't know, maybe renting a drone might be kind of expensive too. It might be cheaper yeah, just to go there. But well, it, one drone, one drone. I mean, if you were willing to surrender control over it and have one, you know, something you else, share you could it. just experience it rather than yeah. try and, you know, drive well, it. It could be a new career profession. Well, you just be a drone, guys, vacation I, drone pilot. I think you guys are a little too tact, attached to the real world. My, my, <laughs> Forget the real my world. solution is just we designate everyone their own living cube. And we just stack them up on top of each other and give them each one VR headset. And then they just never leave. <laughs> I, I, I think you're, you're kind of seeing visions of the Matrix yeah. combined with like Mega City. But everybody's from, cool with it. Right? <laughs> Except everyone's willingly plugged in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I want to come back. So, I want to go in the real world. I want to be in the Matrix. So we're talking about it um, like we're just consumers of this. But I, I'd like to point out that Ada has actually spent a lot of time and effort developing content. Not really? so much for VR yet, but mm -hmm. for video games engines and stuff like that um interesting yeah i've i i did a digipen they have a high school program where you can learn to make video games and stuff okay so i've been um learning to code from that and i did that last no it's been a while since i've done that but Two years ever ago. since then i've been kind of just messing around with like modding modding video games and just making my own kind of projects and with programming That's incredible. and art. Um, one of the biggest, most helpful tools I've ever seen is Blender. It's a 3D modeler slash animator slash a lot of things where it's completely free. It's completely open yeah, I've source. Seen I've seen it. Yeah. I, I poked around at it and I didn't know enough to make anything happen with it. But it's, it's definitely like a really hard program to learn. But once you learn it, like you can do pretty much anything like ever with the program like i I, I swear there is if like a fun some kind of functionality that someone doesn't know about like like most people don't know about but can like do something like that a complete nut like a completely different program just fails to do and that's that that program's entire purpose is to do that one out of the garage it's it's wild how deep the rabbit hole goes with blender mm -hmm. it's just absurd like and the thing that's so cool about it is just it's accessible to pretty much everyone. Everyone can start look by looking at YouTube videos and just playing around with the program. And I like I'm taking an architecture class, you know, where we're learning about their specific industry standard programs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we basically have the Blender Club in there. Like a, a third of the entire students are just like, yeah, we just want to use Blender. We don't care about this stuff. Well, I mean. And I think, uh, to a large degree, open source software is kind of the future. Oh, yeah. I can't tell you the last time I paid for like a your Microsoft Works or Microsoft Word, uh, where I use Open Office mm -hmm. or uh, I use Audacity to edit my audio on versus using like uh, Adobe Creative Suite or uh, anything like that. Um, simply because, first of all, I'm broke as shit, so. Uh, uh, free program is better program. It's it, like you say, it opens it up to a lot of people, and so I do go. I do the same thing you're saying. I go on YouTube. I read read articles. I watch videos. I figure out mm -hmm. how to do instead of. I mean, when I went to college, I was went to college for film, uh, right out here at Evergreen, 
And so uh, I'm taught up on Final Cut Pro and, and using these hardcore Macs from back in the day that were designed just for video editing. Whereas now I can do the same thing on free software on a laptop in my living room. Yeah, it makes so much, I mean, that was really the dream of the internet. Right. Uh, I mean, open source is really what it should be. Before the... Well, yeah, before the all the... The other thing to touch on... All the evil corporations. Is that there, there's a <laughs> difference... You, Zuckerberg. There's a difference between free software and open source software. And the difference is that if you don't like something about the program, you can just open up the source code, change it, and then change it, and then submit it to GitHub and go like, "Hey, I made this change. You might like it, you know." And then they can just add it to their program. And then all of a sudden, you're a friggin' hero because they're like, "Oh, we didn't even think of that. Here we go." Yeah, exactly. So you screw modding video games, mod real life software, make real life easy. That's awesome. Well, I gotta say, and how old are you again? I'm oh god, I'm I'm 17 and I'm about to be 18 wow. in May. Wow. And this is truly the future, guys. I mean, seriously. Learning how to do for yourself and make for yourself, being a content creator, and not just a content creator, but a content uh, provider, mm -hmm. is really innovative, and, and it's kind of the way of the future, honestly. And yeah. I'm not saying that in a pandering way. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, it's truly an amazing thing, and I really value that. You ever see that guy... I saw an interview recently where um, it was about this one guy who basically his job, I think, is just like, I don't, I don't know, he might work at like a library, like archival or something. Okay. But his real passion is writing and editing Wikipedia articles. And there was like, like they said that he was like responsible for like 20% of the website or something Jesus, absurd. Jesus, that's he just spends <laughs> the entire, like his entire day, just updating Wikipedia articles to make them factually accurate, to do all that well, stuff. God bless you, sir. He yeah. is a hero. I, I have to find it to see like what the number is, but it's something absurd. That's it's crazy. Wikipedia? Yeah. That's I, a lot. That's a lot of content. The, the kind of stuff, like, and he started off just making, like, Wikipedia articles about his family. Mm -hmm. And then now he's becoming, like, this... Like, he's the ba basically the best librarian in the world. And he's, he's like not even librarian. a librarian. Wait, that sounds like the, the Doctor Who episode. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that happening, though. Or, like, if you're going to go to my nerddom, it would be, like, the... The Jedi historians who maintain the logs and <laughs> there the you go. Like, but there might be some missing planet planets. Does not exist, <laughs> and the archives are incomplete. Yeah, well, see, somebody edited that Wikipedia page and screwed it all up. <laughs> Is it wrong? I can tell you the name of the Jedi librarian from that scene. I, I, I that doesn't surprise me at all. The cost to do, in case anyone's curious. Okay. But, are you uh, are you a prequel memer? Uh, I'm into all Star Wars, really. Uh, I've discovered recently, I mean, I wasn't really into the prequels when they first came out. I tried to be. Uh, I tried it's to be robot a robot chicken. That <laughs> but I've recently come into my own as far as discovering that I don't want to be one of those uh, negative uh, mm -hmm. fan, toxic fans. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really of the opinion now that I'm going to find something positive in everything that I do. Uh, if it's even if it's the new Star Wars movies that a lot of people really don't uh, jive with for whatever reason, find the goods and find the positive in it. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Uh, Last Jedi wasn't perfect, but that throne room battle was fucking legit. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Rise of Skywalker wasn't perfect, but it had some truly wonderful moments. The, um, the thing about The Last Jedi, I, I just recently rewatched them and stuff, is that, like, it's the one that got people talking the most. So even if people don't like it, it's still more memorable than the rest of them. That's a fair point. Uh, and also, I started reading, uh, they got, Colin Trevorrow was originally supposed to do episode 9 before they took it back and gave it back to J.J. Abrams um, after the Ryan Johnson thing, which blows my mind as well. But again, I'm going to tell you, I did not hate uh, Rise of Skywalker. I found a lot in there that I liked. I cried three times. I tell people I cried three times in that movie. You, you're looking at me like you're, I'm crazy, but no, I'm not looking at you like that. She knows. I I I, I sit there and cry for. I, I cry in movies where you don't even have to cry. You know. <laughs> I'm at the age where I cry in fucking commercials now, and I hate that. There was one commercial over the course of the holidays, and I don't even do broadcast TV, so I just get the commercials on Hulu every now and again, or like on CW when we're watching the superhero shows. Apple had a commercial. Where it's this, these parents who are bringing their two kids off to Grandpa's house for Christmas. And uh, they keep getting shoved off into a corner while they're doing stuff. Here, go watch a TV show on this iPad. Go do this on the iPad. And uh, the kids are, like, shut into a room and told to watch a movie on the iPad. And they pull out some old VHS tapes in the room of their grandmother who was deceased. And so they get it in their head to go and take pictures of Grandpa and, and kind of make this little slideshow of their grandma in with them in this little picture that they took of everyone. And the grandfather starts sobbing uncontrollably. And and and, my, and I, I could feel it in the back of my throat. And I'm like, oh, God damn you. <laughs> oh, I hate this. That's a nice that, that It is. It got me. But at the same time, it's like every time I saw that commercial after that, I'm muting it. I'm like, I'm not, you're not going to get me again, Tim. <laughs> Just earlier today, somebody posted on Facebook a, a Salvador Dali uh, collaboration with uh, Disney where it was an animation. Oh, and it's set to Pink Floyd. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just the fact that Pink Floyd reaches all the way down to the core for me or what, but um, I, I def- that that definitely brought <laughs> tears to my eyes watching that. Uh, so oh my yeah. god, we're getting old. See that. <laughs> but uh, okay, so <laughs> we've talked a little bit about uh, a little bit about a lot of things actually. You touched on J.J. Abrams. Oh right. So <laughs> god, I'm, I'm sorry. I triggered okay, something. so. <laughs> You know, triggered something. Yeah, I, I, I okay. I, I will acknowledge that he has brought a lot of production value and money to sci-fi. Yes. But I still have issues with Star Trek. Star Trek. Lens flares. Oh my oh, god! Lens no, no. Yes. I, I could watch lens flares all day long. I'm fine with that. No, I'm talking. I'm talking like about the line. scene where. The Enterprise is suddenly without power and is free-falling into a planet. That's not how that works. And they're running around inside of the ship. With gravity. With gravity. And at one point, they take it to the point where I I think Spock falls off a bridge and Kirk is pulling him back up, you know, one of these giant endless chasms that makes no sense from... The structural outside of the ship but it's like okay first of all you're free falling 
Anybody who's ever heard of the Vomit Comet knows there is no gravity when you're free-falling, especially on a ship like that without any power. I mean, because presumably if you have an anti-gravity or if you have artificial gravity, it's got to be... just nitpicking. <laughs> I think that's a pretty solid what is, point. What that is nerdery if it's not broke my extension <laughs> of disbelief. Okay, we used to have, didn't we have that whole series of books, The Nitpicker's Guide to Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. I now think we that only the, went through like have... season seven or something. <laughs> yes. I still, I mean, you, there is a certain amount of suspension of disbelief when you're watching those kind of things. And it's like, the thing that used to take me out of it is like when I started watching like the old series like Next Generation and Deep Space Nine again. Um, they had The Office for Dr. Bashir, sick man, oh, yeah. on Deep Space Nine. The Walls, <laughs> Shipping Balance. Mm -hmm. uh, Once yes. I started working in shipping and receiving, I would see that same pattern on the shipping pallets because that's what they use. They just nailed pallets to the wall. And spray painted The plastic pallets. They didn't even spray paint them. They oh, the same yeah. bloody color. And, yeah. and, you know, I see those pallets every day when I work and it's like, shit, okay. And then, like, the storage locker on the wall where they get the weapons out of. It's just a Rubbermaid tote inset into the wall and they make the mechanical sound when they open it. It's right. just fucking mm -hmm. plastic well, the, rubber, oh, the first Star Wars movie that J.J. Abrams touched. Wait, wait, wait. The, wait, wait, wait. the engineering wait, wait, wait. section wait, wait, wait. looked like a freaking warehouse. I, it was wait, wait. a brewery. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta talk about the sets because I'm now re-watching Voyager. I with love our, Voyager. With our nine-year-old. Okay. And there was just this He's recent... He's nine already? Yeah, he's nine. Damn it, I'm old. All right, anyways. And um, there was uh, a scene, oh gosh, with Ensign Kim and he's got this thing for this hottie. I'm forgetting who she is, and they're in some kind of whatever. Probably one of the sisters. They always talk about the sisters. <laughs> anyway, her uh, screen, because they're supposed to be a little more advanced species, they've been kind of off in space for, I don't know, 100 generations or something like that. Okay. But anyway, she has just a regular flat screen TV, and it just, I don't know, maybe on, one man. Voyager was, you know... How many years ago was that? Twenty some years now. Like that, like but years but it just looks like what you would buy at Walmart or something. And I'm just sorry. It was. <laughs> anyway, well, but it was just. Of course, looking back, it it, it probably looked kind of cool. And then if you want to even go back further to when you see stuff like how innovative things they can be with sets, like anything like um, from two thousand one. You see, oh yeah, so two thousand one is great. Well, yeah, that's no, that's classic. I'm sorry, but <laughs> that's totally different. Well, almost untouchable. You might as well have, you know. Mm. I mean, that's her iP iPads. They had iPads back on, on the topic. Yeah, they had flat screens in two thousand one. On the topic of like props just being like really out of place and strange. Mm -hmm. The thing that gets me is that a lot of sci-fi shows used like gamer hardware. Mm -hmm. as like part of their modules there's, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the power glove yeah there, <laughs> as, but as the, tech. There, the, there's this one thing called a razor it's like half a keyboard and it looks kind of funny yeah I think it's I know it's on the about. TARDIS and they used it for every like controller in Ender's Game and I couldn't even watch the movie oh, shit, Ender's I Game I because they look. kept on like just showing it off. It's like, is this an advertisement for Razor? Well like and I used to build props back in the day. I used to try and build oh, lightsaber yeah. props and a lot of what those lightsabers were made out of were things like uh, Luke's original lightsaber from uh, A New Hope was made from uh, what's called a Graflex flash. 
it's like if you ever go back and watch like the period pieces where the 1920s and 30s where they've got the camera with the standalone flash on the side it's the stem that the flash bulb is held on and then uh Which vader's too will now 3d print those so <laughs> well, yeah, there's companies that just do nothing but manufacture those now so yeah. They're still exorbitantly expensive. I still want one, but they're ridiculously expensive. But uh, print one. I don't, well, I want it to be metal, though. I need my lightsaber to have okay. a little heft. I want From a portal she... gun. That's what I want. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I want plays. one that works. <laughs> 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 shit. Portal Let's myself see. I need but, a teleporter. But wait, Ada says we don't really need any reality anyway. That's true. Right, just, just create it all in virtual reality, and we're all set. Right. <laughs> Uh, what was it? You, ever, you guys ever watch Picard yet? Have you seen the first? We episode? don't have We're CBS yet, yeah, but we, yeah, will. we will. need to. Yeah. They kind of uh, it's not I'm... a spoiler or anything, but they they show uh, like the transporter pad going into and out of San Francisco when uh, awesome. Jean Luc visits San Francisco, and it's just like a doorway, a portal, and all of a sudden you see you could see through so it. So he's in his vineyard, and, you see people and then just, he goes yeah, right over. You could just okay. zip right over, and it's really cool to just see people walk through a doorway and appear and it, you can see the transporter effect and it's really quick and so so really is it neat. is it are they trying to push it to be more of a wormhole rather than a no, it's de-atomizing machine you can still see the transporter effect so okay. it's still transporting but it's it's done so quickly and so seamlessly that it's it's almost just like walking through a doorway cool. well so. that's kind of why i'm going over all of um re-watching at least the highlights of voyager because i know that seven of nine is right. prominent in Picard, is that right? Or? Yes, and, and and as of this uh, recording uh, for this podcast, yeah, no spoilers. Uh, there's only been one episode so far. Okay, so, okay we'll get... Uh, and it just aired two days ago, and I was... Awesome. I just must watch TV for me. Next oh, episode airs on Thursday. You've got time. Yeah. Okay. But if you don't have CBS, it's a good opportunity to get that and watch Discovery, which I'm a huge yeah. fan. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Patricia yeah. caught some Discovery when she was in Europe. We haven't been able to watch it here. In, I, I yeah. enjoy... A lot of oh, people jump weird. on how they modified the Klingons, and uh, but if yeah. you th but if you stop and think about it, now stop and think. I'm going to show you. Look at the Klingons from the original series; they looked almost human. Mm -hmm. Then you get the Klingons from Next Gen, where they start with the forehead ridges and bumps and all mm -hmm. that. Then you move into Deep Space Nine, where the costumes get even more intricate, a little more detailed. The culture is fleshed out a little bit more, mm -hmm. and then uh, you don't really get much more with Voyager or anything like that, but. Uh, you get a little bit in Enterprise, but really every we series, of that. every era okay, of the Star Trek series has moved the forward, the progression of the Klingon Empire. And so with this one, uh, it's a bit more realistic, I think. It's a bit more ritualistic, a bit more um, cabal-like which I feel like they were. And so I, I, all I can say is, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, just go in with an open mind. Cool. I really like what they've done with uh, Discovery, especially going into Season 3 now. What they've done between Season 2 and Season 3 is going to be epic. Right. Uh -huh. Well, on one of your previous podcasts, I mean, you, you guys were talking about how, you know, it's like, it, it almost like cannibalistic culture. It's like, um, you know, who who... who does the mundane stuff in that culture if everybody's supposed to be a warrior, you know? And, right. You know, oh, yeah. And, um, it, yeah, you don't, you don't find, uh, you know, core the janitor. You, you mean, right, yeah. 
Well, you do, but I mean, they just slave trade people or whatever. Well, I have to admit, um, obviously, the Klingons um, are modeled after, you know, taking uh, little bits and pieces from other cultures. But you could say that they are modeled after our ideal of like um, a Japanese kind of samurai warrior. A warrior case. Yeah, where or, you know we got yeah. honor and uh, above all else. At least that was kind of what it was a little bit fleshed out to be. Right, and in, in Discovery they take it a bit more into the uh, almost Egyptian. Mm. Oh, uh, interesting, kind of, yeah. Uh, kind of direction, which I thought was really cool. Well, that that I really do want to maybe... It, the main thing is just having so many different um, streaming services. We I have, don't get I, too many. I already know I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then, you know, finding obviously the time... I mean, we just try to uh, really power watch as much as possible, but... Uh, we, did, we just we just ran through season two of Lost in Space Oh, Netflix. so you did go through it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it took us like a day and a half. Okay. We, we got through it all really, really quickly. I'm having a it's like little, 10 episodes. little trouble with... I mean, I, I stopped and started like, that a couple of times. Episode two of season two was just like so candy. I mean, it was like the worst Disney kind of plot development where it's just like just get over it already you know i mean it's just like, told my wife it was like swiss family robinson which is only adding yeah, to the is. fact that their last name is robinson yeah, yeah. so that was kind well, of isn't funny. that what it's supposed to be it, i think that's exactly what it's supposed to be but uh no i mean streaming services shit what i got netflix hulu disney plus which CBS, you got for the mandalorian amazon prime fuck yeah, yeah. We, we've only watched like maybe six episodes. Oh, we, we just haven't had time to sit down. Well, we were getting through. No, what, what are the things that we're watching right now? We got like, oh, we have a whole list of things that we're watching. The Mandalorian was one of my favorite okay. things. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. Living Don't worry. with myself, and um, there's a, a number of different ones that. We tried to do a lot of catch up for the, the CW uh, superhero shows because well, of the big crisis thing that they just did. and. So we just ended up skipping a few episodes and getting right to crisis. It's like, all right, so we missed a few things. We'll catch up eventually. Right. But uh, and there's, there's no such thing as must-watch TV anymore. And I think that's I know. What, what networks are finally starting to realize is when you can sit and wait for a show to drop. Back in the day when we were um, watching movies and TVs, and this makes me seem really, really old again, but back in the day when a movie was released, let's say, uh, Return of the Jedi, 1983, right? Had its theatrical run, and it was a, probably a good couple of years before, before it hit Laserdisc or VHS or whatever right. the hell it showed up on. You know, all these movies that we enjoyed as kids took forever to get to home video. Now, uh, what did I just watch the what? other day? I just watched Terminator Dark Fate the other yeah, day. Yeah, it's like maybe six months, a not year Not tops. even, not yeah. even. Yeah. Like, yeah, you get instant gratification. Right. You can already pre-order <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker. Um, Already, yeah. From Best Buy and everything, and you'll have it before the end of February, I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. And it released in theaters in December. Well, and there's so. a lot of content that's being created specifically for the streaming. Um, oh yeah. You know, especially in the Disney arena, the Marvel yeah. universe. Yeah. And then we, you know, kind of gone down the rabbit hole with some of the Netflix things, like um, some of the German stuff, like Dark. Um, oh, Dark is awesome. Yeah, and then um, there's there's a number of. Um, Trying obscure, to think, is, I mean, maybe not. I, I, have you seen Dark? No. So it's it's obviously German. Um, it 
time travel. It's a really interesting take on time travel because it just, um, people keep interfering with each other's lives. Whereas normally time travel shows, you've got the, the protagonist and maybe an antagonist who have the ability to time travel. In this particular show, the time travel device, in a sense, is just there for people to discover and use or abuse. And so it becomes... God, I hope we never get time travel. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, you know, like Stephen Hawkins has basically proven that we haven't by inviting anybody to show up um, all at once to, uh, you know. To his birthday. Exactly. And, you know, no time time traveler showed, you know. No, don't you get it? You create a whole new universe every time you alter Multiverse. Yes. That's right. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, if time travel is possible, we'll probably never see a time traveler because it would probably create its own little pocket universe. You describe time travel, aren't we time traveling right now? I'm pretty sure we're <laughs> in an alternate universe because things have gotten a little too effed up in the last four or five years. I can almost the, pinpoint yeah. it. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> okay. well, it's, it's as if you could pinpoint it to a specific event. <laughs> I, One I, evening. I, actually, I, in I, November. I think it happened before that. I'm pretty sure that it was when Bowie died um, because it, we definitely flipped into an alter. I think he was here to kind of protect the timeline. Oh, he, <laughs> he was our time lord. Oh, dang. Now we're. We lost me, Tom. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're going to take a real quick uh, commercial break, crass commercial announcement break. Uh, we come back, we will continue our discussion. And uh, see where the hell else it goes. It's kind of nice. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one convenient place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So, so when, yeah, our introduction, you were at Charlie's, you had signed up to sing that day. Robin introduced me to you and... Um, oh, you we're were like in the good enough. You said. were all like totally metal. Right, yeah, and I tried to be. I, and and I looked at Robin. I said, I don't know something about that guy. He looks like he's got a jar of twenty sided dice at home. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember we, we've had this talk before. We've had this talk. And, and sure as fuck, I do. I yeah, mean, yeah. Well, it's and, not a jar. It's a box. It's a nice inlaid and wood the, box. And that, that was your reaction. You just dropped your head. You're like, oh, my cover's blown. And, and yeah, because I try to present my like, way. It's not a jar. It's out. a box. <laughs> straight up called out. All right. Thanks for coming back. Uh, we are still sitting here with the Gizzy Clan. We've adapted and added a new face. Uh, you want to introduce yourself? No. <laughs> Might be a little shy. A little shy. Can I introduce you? Okay. <laughs> this is Kylan, and he's nine years old. What kind of stuff are you into, Kylan? What do you like to do? Um, play Dungeons and Dragons and video games and hang out with my brother. That's awesome. 
I'm also a huge proponent of video games. Not so much Dungeons and Dragons anymore, but we actually have an idea for an episode I've already started setting in motion. It's going to be a, uh, now I know you guys are a vegetarian household, um, but there is a, I don't know if you've ever seen Wendy's, how their tweets on, on Twitter and everything, how they're all, all sassy and uh, oh, yeah. aggressively so, and I love the, I love, whoever's running their Twitter page is amazing. But uh, they released, uh, and I could show you the guidebook for it, but they released a campaign guidebook um, that's like a D&D campaign. It's like a tabletop role-playing oh, campaign that's interesting. set in this Wendy's world. And uh, it's absolutely ludicrous. And uh, I've already got a buddy of mine who's going to DM the thing for us. And uh, we've got a couple <laughs> people who are going to sit and... We're going to do like a eventual podcast where we do kind of a, a, a campaign through this quote-unquote universe, whatever the heck it is. And I'm, I'm curious about that. So that's going to be kind of our tabletop episode that we've got in line for this year. So cool. Wow. Well, you know, one of the things that we were talking about just today about D&D is just how it's evolved to be, well... I don't know. When we were first played it, it was like such a counterculture uh, kind of. Yeah, I uh, mean, you were practically a devil worshiper if you were playing D and D or God, any the kind of role. Oh just hated you. Know, any kind of role playing game. It was just way out there. And they, there were movies about it too, weren't they? There was another oh, movie. Yeah. I forget what was the name of that movie with Tom Tom Hanks. It was like. Dungeons and Dragons, but it was like Crypts and or something or other. Yeah, I, Where was I it? think I know the one you're talking about. Crypts and Preacher. No, no, no. I have to look it up while we talk here. Well, it, uh, it's it. I find it interesting because you watch a lot of sci-fi or fantasy stuff, and you can tell that the people who are creating the storylines were hardcore gamers. I mean, like, I just. Um, Game of Thrones is pretty obvious that um, yes, and uh, The Witcher, you know, I mean that. Oh well, that, you know, The Witcher got mostly popular from the video games itself. Yeah. Well, it was an original series. Actually, the Witcher, technically, yeah. The Witcher comes from the books and yeah, not it's the, the video games. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the book. I have not watched I, it yet. I know, it's, but it's, a lot of the it's excellent. A lot of what brought it to the West was the video games. <laughs> In fact, when Barack Obama went to, uh, I forget the country where it originates from, but... Yeah, as Poland, Poland, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Poland, yeah. yeah he's Polish. Um, I, I believe Poland gave him a copy of The Witcher 2 to symbolize their economic growth. So they just gave him a video game, and Barack Obama was, like, accepting it. And Probably it was a super really funny thing. you watch. <laughs> it was called Mazes and Monsters from 1982. I, Wow, it goes yeah. back that far. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tom Hanks. Oh, you're talking about that. Far, okay. Yeah. But um, I I wonder if it's even watchable. It's not. I, so I've funny. seen I've seen people talk about that movie, and it's just like absurd. It's cringy as hell. Jeez. But uh, yeah, D and D goes back a long ways, and you can definitely feel the tendrils of it throughout all kinds of pop culture. I mean, Game of Thrones, like you said, The Witcher. Um, you got things like. Uh, well, I mean, it's the same thing with Star Trek. You feel the, the tendrils of Star Trek and things like the Orville and Family Guy and Robot Chicken. And, I mean, it, it's so... <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest oh, is so yeah. amazing. <laughs> Black Mirror. Galaxy Quest is a total work of art. I, mean, I love Galaxy Yeah, well, I mean, you have to... It's mostly You have to Alan love Rickman. Star Trek 
to build something like that. I mean, that's just... <laughs> well, have you watched the, the Orville? Orville's great. Oh, yeah. Orville's yeah, a love Orville. letter to Star Trek like I've never seen. Yeah, it, yeah. it really is. And they've moved it now to Hulu uh, yeah. from Fox. Yeah. Good. So hopefully they're going to be able to develop a little bit more... So your podcast is about fandom and stuff. Yeah. Have you covered Creepypasta yet? Not yet, no. I haven't really covered much of uh, the internet version of things. Oh, yeah. So why don't you explain a little bit well, what Creepypasta so, is? So Creepypasta, it's basically a, um, I don't know, it, it's based on the word copypasta, which is based on copy-paste. Copy-paste, right. And... Basically, they're telltale, well, they're just um, campfire stories, but online. Okay. And uh, people just post them, they share them around, YouTubers read them, and with that became, like, its own genre of entertainment, where there is stuff like, um, there has been an entire um, fandom, essentially, called SCP which is Secure, Contain, Protect. And right. it's basically a fantasy Area 51 where that people make monsters and like all these strange things to basically have... And all the documents are as if they're government documents discussing the monsters <laughs> and stuff. And it can range from anything like... the, the One of the creatures is like the Weeping Angels in Doctor oh, Who, awesome. where if you blink, it can teleport behind you and snap your neck. Like, one of the best ones is a toaster, where you can only address it as if it was yourself. So basically, the entire article is like, I am a toaster. I am very... I, I am in this holding cell. I am doing this. And it's just so funny and so creative, like, what people come up with. I'll have to look into that. That's true. bizarre. Uh, one of my favorite things is... This goes back into programming. Someone made an entire video game to be, like, kind of haunted and made, like, YouTube clips of it as if he was someone that discovered the video game. And it's called Petscop. And it goes... the like rabbit like Blair Witch kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I was just going to say Blair Witch. Yeah, the rabbit but hole just goes way so... Cooler, right? Oh, yeah. The <laughs> rabbit hole just goes so deep with that thing. Basically, the premise is that some guy finds a PlayStation 1 game called Petscop with a note attached to it, with a cheat code attached to it. And it's like basically kind of like a Konami code kind of thing. And when he inputs the cheat code and steps outside of the building, it starts off as like a cutesy kind of Pokemon thing. It's just a black void with like a PNG kind of grass on the ground. And it's just endless. And eventually, after wandering around the plane for long enough, he starts to find landmarks. And going into those landmarks are showing more and more um, about the history of this family that the guy who found the game is in. History about his family. And it reminds me of the old Mist games. You remember yeah. Mist and Seventh yeah. Guest, and yeah. mm -hmm. and as it goes deeper and deeper, you discover like all these like horrific things, like child abduction and possible murder, <laughs> and like all these things. And does um, it involve a? A pizza place in no. Washington, no. D.C.? <laughs> I haven't no. tried Five Nights at Freddy's either. Um, well, um, but yeah, the, it, it goes so deep, and it, it's just such a fascinating thing to see, like, 
exists. And for the longest time, the guy that made it didn't take any credit for making the 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 whole entire series at all. Right. He, he just, just put wanted, it up there to let until the art stand for itself. yeah. On the, on the final like after the final episode was released, he released a soundtrack and was just like, "Hey, I made Pet Scop," and but for the longest time, it was going on for years, and the illusion was just like perfect, and it could it's could potentially be totally believable that this game could be built. It's really, really cool. I'll have to look into that. That sounds very, very interesting. So, well, okay. <laughs> now, that threw me off. Now I'm really kind of... <laughs> we need do, more I'm going to be doing some Google Foo when I get home to figure that well, out. Well, I, I, was, I, I didn't realize you were going to go into the whole from creepypasta, which I loved listening to those. You know, I'm, I'm like a super... I don't know, geeky. I just love listening to stories, um, ghost stories, and things like that. Mm. Um, yeah, grab some popcorn. Just watch through <laughs> watch through Petscop. It's 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 practically a TV series at this point. It's it's very very cool. You know, I'm I'm a real podcast. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm Nugget. kind of <laughs> whatever. I am I am obsessed with. Um, but. Um, you know, another one is just the whole series that um, Snap Judgment does on their Halloween specials or their Camp Tales. Okay. They're awesome if you ever want to listen to, you know, just little creepy stories and, mm -hmm. you know, especially late at night. That. I need new podcasts, <laughs> too, because I only really sit down and, and I've only really subscribed to one podcast with being a Kevin Smith fan. You figure I'd be on his podcast and I'm not. <laughs> I'm a bad fan, but uh, the only podcast that I listen to is uh, uh, Chris Hardwick's podcast. Uh, it used to be the Nerdist podcast, and now it's uh, ID10T, and uh, he just interviews celebrities who are friends of his, and celebrities, and, and they're all really super uplifting, and that's why I kind of try to be super uplifting with mine as well, because it's like, god dang, we got enough negativity in this planet to choke a horse, and who needs more of it, you know? Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm a little I have to get off the political stuff sometimes. Yeah. But because it, uh, it's just it's poison after all. Oh yeah. You well, know, wait. There's one other one if I can remember it. Um, if you're really into just interesting, unusual stories, uh, there's one woman who does, um, and I'll look it up. But um, she does Japanese. Folk tales, okay. and she has a super awesome voice, and it's just puts you in the mood for just you know they're not always super scary, but they're just enough you know to be a little bit unsettling, unnerving. Yeah, yeah but in a very entertaining kind of fun sort of way. So if I can remember, I'll have you have you send me some of the links for that. Oh so yeah, I can totally. Do some deep diving. But uh, well, let's talk a little bit about. Um, now, Chris, we're gonna we're gonna go around the room again here, Chris. We talked about uh, your love of three uh, D printing, yeah. And in fact, uh, you've three D printed uh, some fidget toys that I have not been able to put down. <laughs> uh, fidgeting with them right. right bloody now. So I'm like a the fidget toys that were popular a couple of years ago that used bearings as weights. These I are just completely three D printed. They don't even have um, any type of mechanical bearings. Other than just the, the 3D printed parts themselves. Um, the, one, the one you're playing with right now, I call it a nested sphere. 
I can't take credit for having invented that shape. Um, <laughs> it's actually very it's similar to Chinese yeah, when, when, when we were in China, um, we went to a jade store that had these objects that were these nested spheres. And they claim that, you know, it's some ancient tradition by which they make them. I'm thinking they use a CNC machine, but um, <laughs> it was, no, they had some guys um, actually this, Chris. them. Yeah, and they had a lot of broken ones too. But anyway, so this this is taking that to a different That's level because there's the spheres turn you know inside of each other, and it's just a sphere within a sphere. This one I set it up so that there's actually pins so that you can you can spin the inner side inner spheres. Um, and yeah, then, there's three of them, and they all spin independently. Yeah, and it's then really, really cool. And then I did the the flat one, which is a series of rings inside of each other. Right, which you I know, also have. Neither one of these. There are similar things out there, like on Thingiverse or whatever. But this is a. Both of these are a little unique. Um, and and I'll post a picture of both of these designs. Uh, that'd be perfect. Yeah, uh, on the Instagram. Which is fun, because I need to start using the Instagram for more than just stupid memes. <laughs> and, um, you know, what, one thing I'd like to do is get somebody uh, who has fiddled around with, like, the one you're playing with right now to the point where they've mastered some of the funny little spins you can do with it and do, like, a little um, GIF, of, you know, because it only spins for, like, maybe 10 seconds. So, top, so, so you're not on the... You haven't picked a discretion as to which you want to say. You don't want to say GIF. You don't want to say GIF. Oh. You just call it GIF. Did I do that? Yeah. yeah. Um, You're being a little elusive. Just call it what it is. It's a GIF. Is it a GIF? Not a GIF? Graphical interface format. GIF. Well, you, know what? Know. you don't call it a draft. GIF sounds like something you spread on it's a piece of bread. It's fucking peanut butter. Yeah. Pardon my yeah. language. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's peanut butter. Yeah. GIF. You don't say G Jaffic or graphic, it's graphic. Right. Hard right. G. I've heard graphic. I've heard the defenders of GIF say that Well they're wrong. That the creator calls it GIF, therefore. But the creator's wrong too. <laughs> you can if, if, if you're just taking it from the word <laughs> graphic, it's 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 a hard G sound. And, and I'm sorry, here we here at the Fuel Your Fandom podcast are going to, to make a hard line stance on that. It's GIF. I'm going to stick with GIF. <laughs> <laughs> you stay on the middle of your road, Mr. Yishiwashi. Right. But, uh, Chris, you've been doing this 3D printing, like we, took, we talked about you, like seven or eight years, about seven yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite uh, things that I've seen you print out, and this was just kind of, I threw this out there back when I was doing the cooking show. Uh, I did a cooking show called Cooking It Complicated on YouTube. And... Uh, uh, one of the things that I liked to explore were foods that you can't find or you can't find cheaply that you make kind of out of spite. I always call them kind of spite recipes. And so uh, I'm a huge fan of the McRib. I'm not a huge fan of McDonald's. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of mystery meat. So uh, what I wanted to do was make my own version of the McRib using like really good quality cuts of meat and, and good ingredients and, and kind of make my own take on it. And I could have easily used a burger press or something like that and just made a nice round patty and fit it on a nice round bun and it would have been just fine. But I kind of threw it out there going, hey, if I'm going to make... Uh, a 3D print? <laughs> if I'm going to make uh, a, a McRib, I, I want it to kind of look like a McRib. And you, of course, being a vegetarian, a vegan, pescatarian now still? Or? I, I'm pretty much vegan at this pretty point. Vegan. Yeah. 
and, and, and I didn't expect anyone to kind of take it up. I threw like a message out on Facebook and you're like, oh yeah, I can make that. <laughs> and like literally a week later, you knock on my door and you present me with this 3D printed uh, McRib press. And I think I think I found the design. <laughs> I was there. On Thingverse, I remember. Yeah. And I think oh, I found the design yeah, on Thingverse. That. Yeah. And uh, and the design, I mean, it's stupid simple. It's it's a bottom plate with the ribbing on it that goes into a box, and then the top plate with the ribbing on it has a handle on it. And so you put a layer of saran wrap down. You put your meat inside, and then you stomp it down with that top. And or you cover it. You got to cover both sides with with plastic wrap. So you stomp it on top after you cover it up again. And then when you pull the platter out, you pull the the meat out. It's already sandwich packed into saran wrap. So you're able to just stick it directly in the freezer. And before you cook it, you want to let it kind of freeze for about 35, 40 minutes, uh, just to get a little bit of crusty, a little hard, you know. And it works so. Well, that's it wow. was perfect. I use it all the time. I love that thing. So that, that that's cool. That and see, the, the reason I recommended using saran wrap with it is because the three D printed material is porous. There's yeah. no way you could sanitize that thing no, if it, it came in contact with meat. So all those journeys, right? But you know, so I'd recommended using the um, saran wrap just to keep the meat from coming in contact with the three D printed part. I didn't. It never occurred to me that there would be a side benefit that that would you can um, pre-make patties and yeah, just put them in the freezer, them in the freezer. For when you're yeah. ready for them. So, so we'll have to do that with, um, you can now buy Beyond. Uh, Beyond Meat. You can actually buy it like in a hamburger, I, or like a raw hamburger format. I've actually been really enjoying I've tried like the Impossible Whopper. I've eaten those. Yeah. I enjoy those. I've tried the Beyond Burgers from uh, Carl's Jr. I'm actually super excited about them. And I'm not a vegetarian. You can buy the Beyond, you can buy the Beyond mm -hmm. stuff at Target and a yeah, bunch of it. other grocery I work, stores. I work in grocery stores, so yeah. I see it all the time. Yeah. yeah. But uh, And they've got like Lighthouse has a brand. and But uh, I'm really super excited for all these uh, meat substitutes. I mean, I'm a carnivore. I'm always going to be a carnivore. There's no getting around it. But it's so exciting to me to see all of these other options because back when I first met you, we talked about um, Boca Burgers and things like that all the time because that was pretty much the closest you could get meat equivalent-wise. Right. Mm -hmm. And now it's it's scary hard to tell. So, yeah, and for Patricia, you know, it's, she, too close. it's, it's like the <laughs> Uncanny Valley. It's like, am I yeah. The first time I went to a Carl's Jr. and had... Um, the Beyond Burger, I actually sat there after the first bite going, oh shit, did they give me the wrong thing? Right? Yeah, you know, so that's um, what I always worry so, about. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing is, you know, for, for us being vegan, um, the kids are vegetarian, we're vegan. It's, it's more about just the, the realities of world economics. And if everybody on the planet starts consuming meat like Americans. And that is happening. Uh, when we were in China, they're eating more and more meat there all over the world. Well, we just don't have a big enough planet to sustain that right. many people eating a product that, that requires meat. that much resources to mm -hmm. make. And so, you know, if you can eat a vegetable matter-based substitute like even and a, derive even pleasure a from it. Even a third of the know, time. Even yeah. if it's just a third of the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so excited about it, because it gives you those extra options. And the more available uh, options that we have, uh, the less the price is going to be. And 
Absolutely. Once it's price affordable, so sky's you, the limit. So you yeah. touched on Thingiverse, which is, you know, talk about fandom. Um, it's, it's, I do talk it about is fandom. the largest, um, probably the most user base of community, community 3D prints. There, there's some that are a little more esoteric that are probably used more by graphic designers and uh, people who create content um, for... Uh, video games and stuff like that. But Thingiverse is, it was created by um, a brand called Ultimaker um, for, to, to create a market for buying their machines. But mm-hmm. the, um, the stuff that's on there can be printed on any kind of machine. And um, Right, and I think that's where I found the mold with the, the glider. Yeah. And, and I think you printed me out a, it was a small PlayStation case for a Raspberry Pi. Also from there that, as well. Yeah. Actually, th- did I... Was that from Thingiverse? That was know. from Thingiverse, yeah. I did have yeah. one more thing I downloaded a long time ago. I don't yeah. want to talk to you about it. Okay. I think it'd be funny. You ever watched the movie Short Circuit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember Johnny Five? Yeah. There was never a commercially available Johnny Five toy. Did you know that? Oh, wow. What? Never once. Wow. But I found plans for one. Cool. Wow. And so I've got the... I'm Actually, I think it's still in my phone right now. I've got the plans... Downloaded for each of the different pieces to build like a model Johnny Five. Cool. So I'll have to send that to you and see if you can screw around with that. Do that in like a silver. That'd be freaking awesome. That would be cool. Anyways, not even there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, it's kind of a little bit of a theme is, you know, just again talking about like the the internet being what it ideally should be and having. A place for people to argue about politics? (laughs) 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 Oh. Sure. I mean, that's what, honestly, intellectual property, I mean, yes, I don't know, I guess that's in, in a whole other talk, uh, topic to talk about, but I don't know, I just always felt like the idea of sharing and um, creating, and... creating and building upon things, like talking about Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Now, why, why can't we have a world more like that? Okay, there's uh, my... Only, I, th- that's our United Federation of Planets dream there you right go. there. <laughs> so, and not be out on that. Which, <laughs> no spoilers for Picard, but doesn't always end well. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so the, the open source aspect of Thingiverse, you know, I after I developed the chess set, right. I thought long and hard about is this something I'm going to make available that people can download and print for themselves? Mm-hmm. And, you know, quite frankly, even with owning my own printers, doing the math on how much effort it takes to print a set, if I were to charge, if I were to sell the large sets, they would be quite expensive. I mean, I, I would Hundreds have to, of dollars. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's. And I'm not saying myself. I wouldn't pay for it because I'm looking at some of the larger pieces that you've developed now, and uh, and I'm going to post a couple of pictures of the, uh, the designs that you have. Um, I'm going to post a couple of pictures of that online as well because uh, the designs that you've got for these pieces are frankly fucking amazing. Thank you. They're Thank beautiful. You. They're like you said, the double helix kind of look and. The nine-year-old left the room. Nine-year-old left the room, so I'm a little more apt to swear. <laughs> but uh, uh, and you've given me a couple of your your smaller pieces. I believe this is the bishop. That's the bishop, yeah. And uh, uh, you've been you've been posting about these for years. And in fact, uh, I was really really cool to see just an independent YouTube video where this guy had taken your designs off of Thingverse, 
and not only printed up a series and a set of your chess pieces and made an entire board out of it, but really just kind of praising and being very uh, um, over the top in his praise of your designs and your and your things on it. I'm sitting there like I'm beaming with pride while I watch this going, I know that guy. He was a buddy of mine. He made these. This is cool shit. So uh, it was really neat to kind of watch that and then to see the reactions that you were getting um, because of it and how many prints you've had external from Thingverse. See, because the Thingverse will rack up the amount of, it'll have like a number based. Number of downloads, yeah. Right. And, and to see the number of downloads on that just skyrocket after that was fantastic. Yeah. So I've actually got it. Um, the set posted on a couple different um, Thingiverse is the most popular one, but it's also on Prusa Printers and another one called My Mini Factory. And altogether, um, well, at the beginning of this month, we had like 5,000 total well, downloads. Why don't you say the, the name of the chess set? Oh, I call it the organic chess set. Organic chess set. And um, so, yeah, I struggled with do I make this available to people? And, you know, uh, this is going to sound really arrogant, but I'm I'm more inter I'm less interested in making, in making money. money off of this than I am in I want it to become the next Staunton standard. I I would love more than anything for um, major chess <laughs> tournaments to be fortune. using this set <laughs> in the yeah. future. And Why it, wouldn't it's, you? And it's it's open source in the sense that it's posted under Creative Commons, which means anybody can download it and print it for themselves. But if um, if Hasbro wants to print it, they need to come back to me because it's um, it's limited for uh, non-commercial use. So Right, so um, what you're really hoping is you get the attention of the Milton Bradleys, the Parker Brothers, the Hasbros, and, and then they it, like, hey, we like that design so much, we're going to put that in a burden. And then all of a sudden you're... If that, if that happens, I would be more than happy with yeah. it. You know? And, and I intentionally designed the set loosely based on the, the Staunton standard because I wanted the pieces to be recognizable. There's a lot of chess sets on Thingiverse that are like the Pokemon set or the Star Wars set. Right. And, you know, those that they're, they're extremely well made. But they're really, really more great open designs. to interpretation. It, exactly. It's, you, you could look at the pieces and be like, oh, I'm not quite sure what piece that is. Okay, there's eight of them. That must be my pawn. So, um, or it's a little shorter or whatever. Um, I wanted the pieces to be recognizable. This is a bishop. This is a rook. This is a knight. Um, and... Yeah, and, and still really set itself apart from... The and it does. Design. I've never seen a chess set like it. And like I said, I'll post some pictures up on the Instagram, uh, which is at Feel Your Fandom. And uh, like I said, it'll be a pleasant break from all the dumb memes I post. And, <laughs> but uh, and, and, and you touched on something that I really kind of in the same vein. Uh, I'm a musician. You're a musician. That's how we met. But uh, uh, as far as my music... I've never been super precious about people, you know, being able to download my music for free. I'd love to get to a place where people were torrenting my music or anything like that. Yeah, if I could Simply get 5,000 people to listen to any of the songs I've recorded, I'd be really happy. Right? And uh, I've always been like, oh, people are like, oh, well, you got to sell those CDs and get your name out there. And it's like, you know what? I'm not in music for the money. Because if I was into music for the money... You wouldn't be into music. I wouldn't be into music, yeah. I mean, that's the entire wrong way to go about it. Now, that being said, if I were to make some kind of money doing it... Right, right. Fantastic. Be okay that'd be great. I'd be okay with it. 
but at the same time, I just rather people listen to the message. Yeah, that goes back to that song. that whole meme about the guy who shows up in a five hundred dollar car with five thousand dollars worth of gear to get paid fifty bucks. <laughs> right to get paid gas money and a fucking exposure. Exactly. <laughs> Let me pay my bills with all the exposure I'm going to get from this ad. Right. Right. Well, yeah. isn't it the whole thing is <clears throat> essentially trying to turn someone on to something. Yeah. And that's... That's exactly why I'm doing the podcast. Yeah. Because even if it's not something that I'm into particularly, like I've never watched one episode of Doctor Who. I'll oh. say that Oh my gosh. Loud. I'm going to. Shocking. I'm going shocking. to. I know. I don't. I look the type, right? Which, which, which Doctor would you guys recommend? I would recommend watching Blink because it's the best episode of... Oh, oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Which doctor is that? That's David Tennant. And it's David Tennant's my favorite. It, it's okay. such a beautiful episode because you know, has, the voice is it has nothing to do with Doctor Who at all. The doctor's in it, but he's a side character. Yeah. And it's an amazing episode. You can watch it without having any knowledge of Doctor Who whatsoever. All right, so yeah, you've got this on tape now. I'm going to seek out the episode link and watch that so I can give you guys a report. Yeah, I believe it's season three. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I think it's season three. I yeah, will look it's it up. definitely worth okay. And see, that's why, like I said, that's why I kind of did this podcast is because I don't want to only talk about the things that I'm nerdy about. Yes, I always want to talk about the things <laughs> that I'm nerdy about. You know, video <laughs> games, Star Wars, Star Trek, shit like that, comic books, and stuff that I could just get lost in talking about. And that's why I love the format of podcasting because the episode could be an hour, the episode could be two hours, and I mean, it doesn't matter. It's it's really, people will listen to it exactly as long as they want to listen to it. They'll cut it off exactly when they're done giving okay. a shit. Fall asleep to or it. Or fall asleep to it. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, if I'm talking to you about something I'm passionate about, you can see it in my face. It radiates. I get super amped. I get super pumped. I talk to you about my music. I talk to you about comics. I talk to you about Star Trek. Whatever. I get super into it. Likewise, watching you guys get all hypey about talking about video game programming or talking about you know 3D printing or travel, I can see the light in your eyes and I can hear it in your voice. That gets me going, too, and it makes me want to explore those kind of things, too. So this podcast is as much for you guys as it is, is for me. And I'm unabashedly stealing other people's ideas for nerdy <laughs> shit and, and what to get into because why not? Yeah. Just dive headfirst into the geek fountain and just kind of go with it, you know? So I, Now, that being said, I don't think I'm ever going to own a 3D printer. Uh, I do like the idea behind it, but I'm just not technically minded enough for that they they are still um they do require a lot of technical know-how and i'm I've not sure that that's posts. going to change in the near future but you give me a food replicator and i'll be happy may, may, I, 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 I can see the possibility like you know did you know that everyone in star star trek is is vegan at this point oh, well of course if they you stop be. and think about it everything is synthesized from protein right that's it yeah. If, whether they're eating a chocolate sundae, whether they're eating a T-bone steak, it all comes out of that replicator, which replicates it all from the same base protein. And as long as it's not an animal protein, no, I think right. And I it's not like you're going to carry cows around in a starship. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it's all replicated from a base protein, which means they're all vegans. So yeah. Yeah. 
It's well, something really to come. You get to clean about. the F deck this week. That's <laughs> another. Can you imagine a bunch of cows floating around in zero G's, just filling the space with shit. <laughs> That's <laughs> another thing event. that we were watching, you know, streaming um, that we really got into were the Travelers. That's a good. Um, that is a good series. Yeah, I think it's three. Is that um, BBC season. as well? No, no, it's. Um, uh, is that Hulu? I think it's on Netflix. Netflix. Um, but anyway, um, it's the. Uh, well, it's filmed here in British Columbia, like everything. Every damn thing. <laughs> it's like, hey, I recognize those forests. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it is another, obviously, time travelers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's pretty interesting. And they are vegan. <laughs> Yeah, and coming from thing, the future. Coming yeah. from the future, and one of the, and it has to do with AI trying to fix mistakes in the past. To break that one from 2016, you motherfuckers can fix. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so. and, and 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 I read some, I actually read a really interesting article about time travel in regards to uh, how easy it would be to die as a result of time travel, not just because of the animals or the dinosaurs or like the, the rick and morty where they have to bury their own corpses in the backyard <laughs> i love how that came back around. to haunt them yeah back around. but uh, they also uh they talk about um their gut flora is not designed to eat like say i go back to like medieval uh britain mm-hmm. um having to subsist on the food that they ate, the things they drank and ate back then, even the air that you breathe has a different bacterial flora than your stomach is used to. Even your own body replaces all of its cells within seven years. So, Mm. I mean, you could make an argument that, okay, one possible way to um, do time travel would be able to travel back into your own body when you were younger, which would really mess with your own timeline. Jesus. um, It would be an interesting premise for a storyline, but... um, Another thing to consider, too, is, like, there's so many variables to keep track of. Like... You don't just have to time travel. You also have to time travel, travel to Earth where it was at that yes, time period. Yes. Because if you just time travel back, like you blink into the darkness a, a of space day, and exactly. Die. If you go, there's yeah, a lot more of that than there yeah, is on the surface. But, is, <laughs> but isn't this all relative anyway? I mean, where is the center of the universe? I mean, and what do you base where you are in space? Right. Mm. So, so something that's a little nature. more. Um, somewhat plausible and i think you guys have touched this on this on previous podcasts is the series the expanse um i've been told about that and i need to actually sit oh down my and God. Watch you just, haven't seen i mean the expanse. There, there's enough. still some extension of disbelief there always is going to be with you know space and space, space cowboys but um but this one comes pretty damn close to what space travel could be like oh, the within a hundred years around it yeah. is really spot on. I mean... I, I, I've got the Amazon account. I've got to sit but, and, the, and put myself through it. I think the most important aspect of it, though, is it explores the necessity for the human race to start extracting raw materials from the asteroid belt. We've... I mean, we can't continue to con- use the to Earth the way Earth. we have. Yeah. And, well, you Earth know, to go place... Be a, a, a one big... Arc, uh, you know, preserved, I think, right. from humans. 
But, you know, to start start do. extracting materials from asteroids, which are presumably there's no life on them that we're going to screw up. And they're and mineral rich. They're and... mineral rich. And, you know, I mean, we're behind the eight ball on this. China and Japan and other Russia have started sending probes into the belt. While we're exploring the outer planets, very cool, they're looking at what's That's in the close. belt for exploitation. And... You know, so the potential of a future that looks a lot like the expanse is well. Isaac, you know, Isaac Asimov, um, of course, wrote about that extensively. I mean, you can have whole mountains of diamonds, <laughs> literally, and yeah, they're just other... floating there, waiting for us to find them. Exactly. <laughs> how and how far out is the asteroid belt? It splits the difference between Mars and Saturn, so it's um, so it's a bit of a trip. It's a bit of a trip. Well, yeah. Some... You know, I mean, but presumably, once you start going there and you start extracting resources, you could start um, colonizing, and, and and you're going to develop technology. Once the demand is there for technology to get you and there and back in a in a very rapid pace, um, we'll start pushing the limits of what we can do. Um, also, once you're there, you can start building shit in zero gravity and not have to blast off from the planet. You know, what? one series we didn't mention is Battlestar Galactica, of course. Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, yeah, I mean... You're talking the original or the reimagined? Reimagined. Okay, yeah. Okay. I was just talking <laughs> last sorry, podcast. Yeah. I, I actually got to meet Ever James almost, which is really, really fucking cool. Oh, oh. awesome. Yeah. Blade yeah. Runner. Yeah, I like, I like <laughs> the origami. He had just come off of doing Dexter when me and my old bass player went out and and, and hung out with him and my bass player went and got an autograph from him and I was broke as shit so I couldn't do it but I waited in line with him and his line was really short because everyone was off Megan Will Wheaton's line or the Weasley twins from Harry Potter's line <laughs> so his line was really short so we got to hang out with the guy for like five minutes oh very cool I think he was super stoned because uh, he was so chill, like and, and in that kind of environment I can see it for a celebrity would be really super stressful but he was, I think he was baked, because he was super cool. And we talked to him about Dexter, we talked to him about uh, Battlestar, and it was really neat. He was super cool. <laughs> of course, the Portlandia, Very... where they were going to continue Battlestar. Oh, yeah. That was one of the greatest cameos ever. <laughs> I, need to, I need to watch Portlandia. I've been told it was a good show. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. There's some fandom for you. So the reason you need to watch Portlandia is... Um, she is from Olympia. So Slave Portlandia King. is not so much about Portland. It's, yeah. it's about Olympia, but nobody knows where Olympia is. So, it, so um, they to base it somewhere. Right. You know, and that's my theory anyway. Interesting. But, What's yeah. the actress's name? Uh, Carrie, what, what is her last Brownstein. name? Brownstein. Yeah, there and we go. So she used to come into when oh, Patricia... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carrie Brownstein, that name sounds really familiar. Slater Kinney, the band Slater Kinney. My old Latin teacher used to date her. Yeah, what? well... Yeah. Uh, uh, Sarah Dower. Uh, was my Latin teacher. They used to date. Well, uh, there you go. The small town. She, she, she to... came into when That's we had funny. a art gallery downtown. She I came in to it. have um, one of her posters framed, or actually oh, nice. a couple. The she came, she came in more than once, yeah. <laughs> so I guess I did an okay job. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I didn't realize that. I'm gonna have to look into that. And that's like her, and it's like Jermaine Clement, isn't it? Uh, no, it's um, from SNL. Um, why am I not thinking uh, his name? Oh, I'm thinking Fred, Fred Armisen. Armisen. Armisen, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of and, Flight of the Concords, my bad. Yeah, yeah, and they've yeah. been seen. But I do like Flight of the Concords. 
they've been seen too. in downtown Olympia. Um, anyway, so um, I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna stream that. Do you know where that's at? That's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, that is on yeah. Netflix. Well, I will um, check that out. Yeah, and and you know, it's it's kind of dry and weird. Start from the first episode because that pretty much lays the the ground rules for what the show is. Well, and, I need more know, stuff to and, watch. And then it's and then it's random access. <laughs> like it's not need, like there's a like series. Like we need that more you things to watch. Yeah. Exactly. Well, no, I, I I watch a lot of this kind of stuff when my wife's not around because uh, she's like either not into it or doesn't have the time for it, and so. Have you run out of South Park episodes? Well, no. <laughs> trailer Park Boys is what I watched oh, okay. recently. I don't know if you're into Trailer Park Boys, but haven't haven't checked into that one. It's Canadian. It's uh, they're from uh, uh, Newfoundland, so it's, it's very Nova no Nova Scotia Nova Scotia part of Newfoundland. That side of Canada, Eastern Canada. So see, gotcha. I do I do the same thing with all these different shows that you could really get get into with books. I start a book. I've got like right now I'm reading I don't know maybe 10 books. <laughs> yeah, I keep track of it all. I don't know. I'm having a real hard time right now and it, and I got a big thick one that I really need to get through and it's actually kind of a cool it's all about trees and uh what is it called? Overstory. It's pretty interesting about how it's like a I don't know 10 different people's lives and how trees affected their lives and how they all come together <laughs> Interesting. like i've been having a real hard time with reading lately like i download a lot of comic books and things like that and like just to kind of read my downtime and uh graphic novels and uh i tried to read through the game of thrones books but uh it was a lot of what i was driving across the state to work and so i just ended up having to listen to them on books on tape mm -hmm. Uh, which is how I got through all five of the Game of Thrones books, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But, like, even comic books these days kind of zonk me out. Like, yeah. sitting down and trying to focus like that now just kind of puts me out. I have to wear reading glasses to read just anything anymore. I mean, it's <laughs> well, I mean, old, old sucks. Old, man, yes, but, uh, and it sucks. It does. Well, you know, I, honestly, I, I kind of like doing audiobooks a lot of times. That's why um, the future is VR, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, right. I'm a more of an audio learner. Yeah. And I just, I like, I like hearing stories. It. Well, shit, I think VR might be the way for me because I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm audio and video to a degree, but really hands-on and tactile is how I learn things. So maybe, I mean, wow. you know, shit. Speaking of VR and books in Ready Player One, which is a very, very nerdy book at times, a little too annoyingly so. Um, the, <laughs> like the movie callbacks? better than the book? No. <laughs> the, um, Wasn't the audiobook done by Will Wheaton for that? Yeah, I listened oh, to the awesome. audio. Cool. I listened Will to the audiobook, and and there's actually a part in the book that praises Will Wheaton. It's really weird hearing. And he has to read it. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, but, That's awesome. But the 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 thing I that, actually kind of like Will Wheaton. We always made fun of him as the golden boy, but anyway. Sorry. But the, so the the thing that I think is really cool about it is that the main character and most people go to school in VR. Yeah. And after reading about that, like they describe it as like, hey, if you're if you're learning about Jupiter in a normal school, they show a picture of Jupiter or just talk about it or draw on the whiteboard, something like that. Meanwhile, 
in VR, you can, you do, can go to Jupiter. You can, yeah, you can go to Jupiter, and you can still do everything you could in a normal classroom. See, and that's, I think, oh, and I hate to sound like all sci-fi and shit like that, but I really do think that's kind of the way it's going to start. Oh, yeah. Especially, again, uh, once we're talking about, when we're talking about uh, vegan food and everything like that being more affordable, it makes it more well, accessible. Once VR, which is now coming down in price, and all VR headset used to cost thousands of dollars. Now you yeah. can get an Oculus Quest for what two fifty? Four hundred. That's the current price. Four hundred. But um, you know, the, the 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 thing is that with VR, it's expensive right now for the user who buys it. But if you really think about it, it's not. It's probably not more expensive to give every Student a headset than it would then it would be to just run the you know like keep the building afloat at a school or have the transportation for the buses like it would technically it could be cheaper to just now, give everyone VR headsets. Do you think that would impact something like uh, uh, social activities or things like that? I group think, activities. Or? I think you can be social in VR just as much as you can in real life. Because because a lot of my friends, I hang out with them in VR, and I it's hard to even tell that it's it's not you know that real. It's not real. And I've had friends like back from the days of Yahoo Messenger and all that, uh, Aim Chat and all that. I've had friends from across the country. I've still got friends. I got a friend in Australia, uh, who I've been friends with for twenty years, a little over twenty years. Uh, my friend uh, Ellie is in uh, Scotland. And I've been friends with her for like 19, 20 years. And we all used to do a text-based role-playing game, Star Wars role-playing game online. And we've just stayed in contact. And it's really kind of neat to see a as, as it develops. Pen yeah. pal, basically, yeah. <laughs> and and so I've never met either of them in person. I've talked to both of them on the phone like once or twice. And oh, yeah. uh, I've yeah. always been a huge fan of that because I love I've the accents. I've been really good friends that, you know, we have met traveling. But yeah. we stay, it's like... We have so much in common, and it's crazy not to at least try to stay in touch in some sort of way. But it, it is interesting when you find somebody like on a forum or, you know, a user group, and there's all kinds of different formats for these. Um, I mean, I got in contact with a bunch of musicians years ago who were all using Cakewalk software at a time when I was using that. Okay. And um, we would, it, there's a, a Contingency of people who all participated in this um, the, the the forum where people would go to um, seek help trying to do something in the software, and then somebody created a little coffee house where we got together and argued politics. Yeah, I remember but, those but, days. <laughs> but and and ultimately, Cakewalk dumped the the forum, or they moved it to a web-based thing, and then they dumped it again. And um, but there was this core group that kind of stayed in touch and I'm still in touch with a lot of those people from Facebook mm -hmm. but at one point we'd been interacting online enough that somebody came up with the suggestion of hey let's do a CD everybody records one song yeah oh I've heard the CD you gave and, me one of those a long time and, back and so we we you know there was a certain leap of faith here to do this because we're all over the planet. Um, you know, everybody's got to trust that one person is going to take their whatever, couple hundred bucks that, you know, um, that we all put into this and that we're going to get a product at the end. But um, it was this 
worldwide collaboration. That's the one where you had your Little Fish song on, right? I actually ended up, we ended up doing three. Um, I, the first one I took, I did the song Should, which Aiden was just saying the other day, um, probably has the highest production value of anything that I've ever recorded. Um, the second one had a, a song called Fear on it, um, that I, I actually did the vocals on that. And then the third one had Little Fish on it. And so, um, and you know, so it's, hey, it's a collaboration with a, a, a like bunch that. of different musicians. Well, CDs aren't really well, no, you know, it the thing anymore. A, and, it doesn't have to be a CD. Can I get a SoundCloud, a worldwide SoundCloud? Right. Well, and, and um, yeah, some kind of collaborative thing where artists come together to promote each other was the kind of cool thing about that. Like um, an online collective. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we I'm totally a huge got a, a whole yeah. theme going here. I mean, locally, <laughs> locally, the festivals that we participate the in, there's now. that kind of support. <laughs> but it, what was cool about this is it was like a music scene that was taking place completely online. And people working together, I would post wherever my song was at, I would post the mix of the week get a bunch of feedback, um, critique, and then I would go back and make changes based on what people suggested, if it made sense, and if it didn't make sense, then eh, whatever, you know. No, yeah. that's a great idea. Um, I was thinking, going back to like kind of this virtual classroom, going to places, uh, you know, traveling to Jupiter or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be even something Jupiter. You could just be like... Hey, I want to travel to fucking Beijing, but I don't have the coin to travel exactly. to Beijing. Unfortunately, exactly. Google Earth doesn't have Beijing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Why. That's the level of detail. I that, wonder why. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. You pick pick your destination. Well, you know, one thing I was thinking about, you know, more on the, just the practical, I remember years ago, do you remember Omni Magazine? But uh, they had an article talking about if, you know, let's say NASA has a budget of X amount to do some exploration into right. the, you know, whatever outer Exoplanetology. Or, or whatever it might be. I had a buddy who used to work on exoplanetology. That's something on the side. Really sending cool. out probes, and you could send out so many um, unmanned probes, obviously, right. versus if we just do one manned mission to Mars, how much is, you know, I mean, it's crazy how yeah. much that would cost. Matt Damon and, tried that. It didn't end well for him. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> But, you know, I, but I, I, granted, I also see Elon Musk's point of view here is that we're putting all of our eggs in one basket. We're going to eventually, you know, need to colonize something. Well, I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, uh, of course, whenever you go to uh, these uh, climate rallies, uh, you'll see a poster saying there's no planet B. But I don't know. Maybe there could should, be. There could be. And, and, and they've discovered quite a few of them uh, with the exoplanetology, uh, what used to be called the Kepler mission. They discovered quite a few quote-unquote habitable planets outside of our solar system. The only problem is the we're never going to reach them in our lifetime, not with the travel mm -hmm. that we have available to us now. Right. So really it behooves us as a human race to explore more things like, like you say, something that's going to cut down on our carbon footprint, whether it's uh, more sustainable food-based products or plant-based food products, whether it's less transportation costs for travel and everything else to do it virtually. Mm -hmm. um, I well, mean, there just more efficient vehicles. Well, um, but, but my goddamn flying well, I've car. seen a yeah. thing where um, that it, I, I think Kurt Act made a video on it, and they're a really good channel 
where it basically proposed that if we start mining asteroids and start building kind of like a space kind of colony kind of thing, mm -hmm. what we could do theoretically is just completely mine out all of Mercury and turn that into a Dyson sphere. It's totally possible. And what that would do is it would give us it would give us essentially unlimited power. Yeah. But no one wants to do it because it's a bit of work, you know. <laughs> a, bit of work. <laughs> a little bit. A little I mean, bit. Meanwhile, we ravage but, the earth and yeah, destroy exactly. our like, fucking holes. Like we and, could totally yeah. do it. it. It's it's completely feasible with the technology we have today to do it. Oh, really? Yes. It's theoretical. But... Well, well, I mean, all it is is just mirrors, and then we can direct it as like a. A, a laser pointer, essentially, and hopefully not hit the Earth. You mean hopefully hit... not use it as a Death Star? Right. Well, right. yes, that that yeah. is also you can make it. That's an option. That is an option. That's the weaponized version. That's right. Yeah, and and, and, and you know if if you weaponize it, then there'll be plenty of military money for it. Yes, but then there's the old blowing up the planet <laughs> thing, or like, like it, it does ants. suck when your enemy's on the same planet that you are. But ants you know, running from yeah. a magnifying glass <laughs> beam like we are. <laughs> Some vengeful right. child with but, a magnifying well, glass. Ada, Ada mentioned that there's a, a, a similar thing where somebody suggested that if you build a Dyson sphere around, was it a quasar? Okay, what, 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 or are you talking about the one that can propel itself? Uh, I, I was talking about if you build it around a quasar and then you leave an, or if you, it, oh, it, oh, oh, so oh. you control the quasar, you could create a Death Star that can hit anything in the entire universe. <laughs> <laughs> It might have been a black hole, but a lot of those things, like, you can have light guns that would just kill something. Yeah. Like, an I entire... I like how you're like, talking about sustainability and... It's a slippery slope. Like, oh, it is. Just yeah. like nuclear power, you know, it it's going to happen. <laughs> well, you could put a mirror up in just a... That's inevitable. You could put a mirror up in orbit that would reflect more sunlight to a specific focus point on Earth and have one of those big salt reactors that turns, you know, uh, turns a turbine and generates electricity. But if somebody just turns the mirror, they could nuke Chicago soon. <laughs> yeah, the, the propensity for uh, weaponizing these kind of ideas is kind of what scares me about them. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, there's a lot of really good resources that we can learn from science fiction, from things like Ready Player One and... and and on and on and on like that. Hopefully not from like, um, what was the movie? Soil and Green. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but there's actually a vegan product called Soylent. I know. I know. That's probably the only reason I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. Is it's yeah. Like I've seen it. it's like, no, no, sir. I've seen that movie. I know what this is made out of. This is people. But uh, uh, the idea that we're going to be able to do things like the Beyond Burger we were talking a lot about, we were talking about the Impossible Whopper and. The, uh, there's quite a few different companies that are doing more and Patricia said it's like uncanny valley type of things with our uh, processed <laughs> foods um, and, and were, we, were we on were we recording when we talked about Star Trek's replicators and whatnot? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we were <laughs> I, I just love the idea that this this entire culture is is vegan oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean and maybe that's why in the future Earth is a paradise and not a ravaged hulk because like we're all living in space right eating now. protein resynthesized resynthesized yeah. protein and everything but uh and of course uh, a, a replicator is um the the closest we've got right now is a 3d printer <laughs> and they're actually doing that they're oh, using yeah. 
They're 3D printing uh, uh, food. They're trying yeah. to learn mm -hmm. how to 3D print proteins into meat, mm -hmm. um, which is still exorbitantly expensive. Uh, they're 3D printing uh, houses. They're yeah. 3D printing uh, internal organs oh, yeah. for transplant, which is catching Ears. on so much quicker now. And I'm so excited to see where that's going to go because if you can do like if if you can eliminate um, a kidney donor list mm -hmm. right. and just everybody who needs a kidney gets a flipping kidney, yeah, made yeah. from their own stem cells. Exactly, so you rejection... build an armature for the cells to grow on. You pull stem cells out mm -hmm. of the, the, the whoever's going to receive the organ ultimately. So the the, the risk yeah. of rejection is nil. Exactly. Mm -hmm. How exciting is that? Yeah, it's amazing. That's awesome. Um, the thing about, I, there's a lot that needs to happen before 3D printing of buildings becomes anything more than a niche kind of thing because right. they're not like, they're not like, uh, architecturally sound buildings. They're just like well, igloos. There's, I mean, if you keep them small, there's, they're architecturally sound, but in order to build big, you need to start combining tensile strength into, and right now they're basically just, um, 3D printing concrete, which is yeah, it's got compressive they, strength, but it doesn't have tensile strength. They don't have any reinforcements. Well, they they can they can do additives to give it some more tensile strength, um, but you know the way we traditionally add that is with steel rebar in a building, and there may be ways that we can do that. I mean, um, I was talking with um, Patricia's nephew earlier today about a really sophisticated 3D printer could potentially add pieces of metal as it's printing around oh, them yeah. um but we're we're you know that's still down the road a ways made me think that maybe i need to um go start working for a contractor that's using trying to develop 3d printing into a practical way to do construction instead of what i'm doing right now <laughs> but you know going back to um uh space colonization and whatever else obviously we're going to need Techno more advanced technology and taking 3D printing to the next level. Right. And, and you can't go to Mars without being able to replicate everything that you need. So yeah, you, you, need, you need a machine right. that, that can, can print metal or, you know, plastic or food or whatever. Um, Matt Damon grew potatoes on the moon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Using his own poop, right? Yeah. yeah. His own poop, yeah. yeah. Well, night, night soil. <laughs> night soil. <laughs> Well, I really, uh, I definitely appreciate the way this conversation is turning. We've kind of, kind of weaved our way around a whole bunch of different topics, but um, I'm definitely going to post some pictures of, of your 3D printed artwork um, on uh, the Instagram. Uh, once I get this up, it'll go up next week, and uh, I really, really dig talking about the VR concepts, and I mean, that really kind of is the way I see the future heading. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the possibilities for, I mean, once you can incorporate some of the other senses into it, like the smell sense and maybe even taste, uh, you can virtually vacation anywhere you want to go. Oh, yeah. and it's it's absolutely wonderful and breathtaking to think about because I'm never going to be able to afford to go over to... And your carbon you know, emissions will be way low. <laughs> right, exactly. You're not spending the fuel, you're not spending this, that, and the other thing. It, it's such a wave of the future kind of, of technology and I'm, I'm just excited for it yes i'm excited for the video game aspects of it and like movie watching aspects of it and even the social aspects of it but just to see 
a technology go in these this many different directions and that can span this many different um, socioeconomic problems mm -hmm. is fantastic. I mean, and we've talked about inadvertently we ended up talking about lots of different ways to save the freaking planet today <laughs> is with, with 3D printing and, and the ability to create protein synthesis and create food and plant-based foods and we talked about VR and carbon for, uh, footprint emission drop and we ended up talking about a lot of really important concepts for a nerdy ass podcast that normally just talks about dick and fart jokes so I mean <laughs> it's really kind of exciting like I said I really enjoy and I really uh, dig and get out, get off on the idea of being able to have these kind of conversations with people that go in directions that I don't even know where the hell they're going to go and so, I mean, I really want to thank you guys for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. Before we run away completely, I just want to, you, you were talking about, you know, socially redeeming aspects that where 3D printing ties in. I, I should sure. point out that um, there are mistakes that happen when you're 3D printing, and mm -hmm. I've got boxes full of them. I've seen some of them. Yeah, and, um, and, and even sometimes, you know, just, you know, there's, there's waste even when the print comes out perfectly, there's mm -hmm. a little bit of waste associated with every one of them. Right. And so I'm collecting that, and I've been following a number of people on YouTube who have been exploring being able to turn your wasted prints back into plastic that you can print again. And um, that's getting closer all the time. Um, that's excellent. The biggest drawback or the biggest challenge is being able to chop up a big solid chunk of plastic and turn it into shredded material that you can then turn back into filament and then um but that that first chopping device is still the probably the most cost the most costly part of it um but some of the material i've been buying lately is actually um recycled water bottles that they modify the plastic as they're um chopping it up from the water bottle so that they can turn it into filament. And yeah, we're um, talking about sustainability and that's exactly. perfect. Yeah. So that's something that uh, I'm trying to do more of, but the other material I use a lot of is actually based on cornstarch. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a biodegradable material um, and it's derived from corn. Uh, but recently um, this uh, PLA is what the plastic is called. Um, has become so popular for food packaging as well as 3D printing that right now we have a worldwide shortage on it. And um, not so to circle corn, back to politics, but this farmers. is yeah, this is directly related to the fact that we are in this um, stupid trade war right now, which has prevented agricultural products from going to China, where most of the filament is being made. And so right now we have a worldwide shortage but of we need a locally plastic that's derived from biomaterials. We need locally sourced bio-plastic. Yeah. I don't think it's that far off. I think, yeah, I think it's coming. And there are manufacturers in the U.S. that make PLA. Um, and they just don't have that, that, that shiny silk stuff that looks so damn good. Um, but the, the Chinese are good at yeah, the, coming up with these products. The recycled water bottle material has been available in Europe for a while, but now there's a manufacturer in the U.S. that's making it, which is a really good thing. And I'd like to see that. Um, I would love to see that transplanted all over the place. Because if we could uh, take the problem of ocean waste and, and, and plastic waste and all this packaging bullshit that we just toss into the landfills 
If we could take that and do something productive with it, oh, this guy's the freaking limit, right? Yeah, I mean, if you have a material that's a closed loop where it can be reused over and over again right. and eventually just breaks down into nutrients um, and that, that can be, be disposed ideal. of in a proper way or, you know, turned back into food or whatever, uh, that would be ideal. One step closer to those replicators. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, well, that's a fantastic idea, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where that kind of goes in the future, too. I'm still going to get on you about that uh, Johnny Five. We're going to get that thing made. All right. <laughs> but uh, uh, I really want to thank you guys, Chris, uh, Patricia, Ada. I want to thank you guys for sitting down and, and talking with us today. And uh, this has been this has been one of my favorite conversations so far. This is fantastic because it, like I said, because it completely veered off from where I thought we would talk about <laughs> like, uh, video games and and 3D printing. But we talked about saving the friggin' planet inadvertently <laughs> which is fantastic because if that can just become kind of an overall topic a, a back burner topic for everything we do maybe we'll start thinking in a more clear way maybe we'll start thinking more of hey we only have one damn planet and we might as well fix it you know until Absolutely. we build the Dyson Sphere. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, on We behalf, don't have that planet anymore. <laughs> we don't need Mercury for anything. We're not doing anything. <laughs> but uh, uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me again for another episode of the Feel Your Fandom Podcast. Uh, uh, and again, like I like to close out all of my podcasts, I like to remind everybody that everything is fandom and fandom is everything. And in this case, it truly is everything. Uh, thanks for joining Oh, 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 oh,